Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Hey there, folks. This is Matt Welch, the sports editor with Star Local Media, and thank you for checking out this rapid reaction edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. I'm going to react to, I guess, the past, uh, I guess, basically three days worth of uh, worth of work on the playoff baseball and softball front. Um, you know, sure enough, had games Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, three different series, three different games. So let's just kind of reflect. Now that the dust has settled, now that we know who's moved on, who's been eliminated, let's try to uh, let's try to make uh, make heads and tails out of what happened in um at least regarding the games that I was at um the Allen baseball team and then the the uh, baseball and softball playoffs for Plano senior let's start with um what was hands down the most competitive of the three games that I got to see and that was um on Saturday the game three of the bi-district round between the Allen baseball team and trophy club Byron Nelson um this one goes the way and a little bit of a if you want to call it yeah I mean obviously yeah it's it's no doubt an upset anytime a four seed knocks off a district champion you had uh, Byron Nelson just rolling into Allen and then pulling away with seven unanswered runs over the uh, the final two and a third innings to take a seven to three victory and eliminate the District Six Six Eight champions. This was um, I mean this was this was a very back and forth series. All um, you know, over the course of three days, neither team really seemed to establish much of a firm, uh, a firm command over the other. You know, Allen. I mean, you know, Allen won game one, two to one. And, you know, both of Allen's runs came on Byron Nelson errors, so it's not like it was a forceful two-one victory or anything. And then Byron Nelson, you know, got the best of a uh, what sounded like just an all-out pitcher's duel in game two. Got a uh, you know, got a home run about midway through that game. That was the uh, really the only difference in a uh, in a in a two-zero victory. So. And then I kind of set the stage for a, uh, for game three. Winner take all. Let's see who advances. And this um, this is going to sound strange, but bear with me. I think if this game was played two years ago, Allen wins. And the reason I say that is because in game three, for the first time, um, you know, since you know, since the rule was you know instituted in 2016, I got to see a game where you had a team forced to comply with the UIL's pitch count rule. You know, something that the UIL implemented a couple, um, you know, a couple years ago. This is the second season in which this has been in effect, um, where there's a pitch count, obviously, on, um, you know, on the, uh, you know, for a team's pitching staff. You know, specifically for the playoffs, you cannot have a pitcher throw more than 110 pitches over the course of a series. So, um, as to as to how that applied to Saturday's game, you had Allen rolling with um, rolling with Kenton Pierce, who had been one of their top arms out of the bullpen during the uh, during district play. And Pierce threw um, nearly through 40 pitches in relief in their game one victory. This game went, you know, extra innings, you know, so they uh, they called him in a little bit late to help, you know, to help take over for uh, for Brett Tanksley in the uh, in their two to one game one victory. Well, because he threw 40 pitches in game one, that meant on Saturday Pierce only was allotted 70 pitches to work with, you know, and. For what it's worth, I mean, yeah, they stretched him for all every last pitch that they could get. I mean, they squeezed him right up to that uh, to that max pitch limit before having to pull him in the uh, let's see in the fifth inning. On the whole, um, you know, Pierce was. I mean, he was. You can't really ask for much more. You know, he allowed one hit, um, no runs, only allowed four base runners total over four and two thirds innings, and then um, and then like yeah, that was just the. Uh, 
Like, apparently that was just the opportunity that Byron Nelson needed because it was just night and day. I mean, the second Allen goes to the bullpen, Byron Nelson's offense, just everything clicked into place. And it was, I mean, yeah, they immediately shifted gears and gained uh, the first real true sign of momentum by either team in this series. You know, they scored, like I said, they scored seven unanswered runs to erase what was a 3-0 lead for Allen. Um, you know, two of those runs came in the uh, in the fifth inning, imme- like immediately after after having to make the other uh, pitching change. And you know, the play that kind of you know jump started the whole thing. This was like a minor source of contention. You know, in the game, a very bang bang play. You had a uh, a ground ball to third base by Byron Nelson's Matthew Bailey uh, that was fielded cleanly by Judson Arrington, thrown to first base. Um, runner was called safe. It was a uh, again one of those freeze frame caliber plays. Obviously, the Allen folks disagreed with the call. Byron Nelson folks did not. The sky's blue. I don't know what to tell you. That's that's how any cont- that's how any contentious call goes in just about any sporting event ever. Um, you know, Byron Nelson got the better end of that call. Um, you know, there were two outs at the time, so you think in hindsight, what happens if that's the if that's the third out? Because on the very next at bat, uh, Byron Nelson's Bo Windebank hits an inside the park home run. Hit a uh, hit a deep shot into a uh, you know to the left center gap. Allen took an aggressive angle to the ball, didn't get it. Ball bounces to the wall. Ball rolls to the wall, and um, both runs score. So there you go. Just like that, a game that Allen looked to be in. You know, pretty uh, pretty solid control of. You know, three zero. You know, a three zero leads by no means insurmountable. But it was really a uh, just a shot in the arm for Byron Nelson. After I mean, they could just they got nothing going against Kenton Pierce. So just to get that uh, just to get that momentum boost, the second you um, you know the second they saw a different pitcher, and um, it really just kind of snowballed from there. They took the lead in the sixth inning. Um, and then they added, and then they just completely put this thing out of reach in the uh, in the seventh with a with three runs, a, a bases a bases loaded, bases clearing triple by uh, by Byron Nelson's Kate Hudson, just to uh, yeah to put them to put the uh, to put it out of reach. I mean, if you're if you're Allen, like there really isn't another game this season that kind of followed a script like that where Allen built a uh, you know built a pretty solid lead early and then just let it all slip away late. Um, but yeah, I mean Byron Nelson just feasted on the Allen bullpen, you know. You wonder what would have been, you know, if they were able to throw Kenton Pierce, you know, the whole way. But obviously, the rules are the rules, and they were, um, yeah, they were kind of at the mercy for the first time. Um, yeah, I mean, head coach Paulko said afterwards that's the first time they've had to uh, that they've had to pull somebody because of the uh, of the pitch count rule. And I mean, obviously, there's no there's no denying that that played a uh, it definitely played a factor in the. Uh, Played a factor in the game. Um, you know, Allen was able to again give itself a uh, you know a nice cushion to work with. They uh, you know they jumped out to a three zero lead. Two of those runs came in the first inning. Uh, you know, Sam Haywood got on board with a uh, with a leadoff walk and then immediately scored on a double by Mason Laplante. Uh, Laplante scores moments later on a uh, an RBI single from Joey Chrissy. And right there, you're thinking. I mean, through I mean through the first two games of the series, Allen totaled two runs. Over the course of two games, so to get two runs right out of the shoot—I mean, you're thinking—I mean, that's that's mana from the heavens with as up and down as Allen's bats had been during that series. You know, they were able to get a third run, you know, in the uh, you know in the fourth inning after a uh, you know after a sacrifice lineout by Evan Anderson. Uh, Jawan Mason's able to score on that to up their lead to 3-0, and then yeah, then it was just all all Byron Nelson, and literally from the second that Allen invoked its bullpen, you know, it's an unfortunate way for uh, you know for the Eagles to end their season. It was kind of a, I mean it was a it was a strange year for Allen no lie I mean we've you know we've intimated enough on the podcast just how 
unorthodox it felt like this this Allen team was, and just how they went about amassing their uh, you know their their record through district play. Um, you know, despite finishing with that nine and three record, winning back to back district championships, this was a team that had a lot of you know a lot of you know. Good fortune in one-run games. They went uh, between the between district play and the postseason. They uh, they had a five and one record in one-run games. The offense, with the exception of their series against. Plano East, where they scored 30 runs total. Uh, you know, the offense was, you know, one night to another. You know, some nights went better than others. It was just, you weren't really sure what you were going to get. The uh, the pitching and defense was there, you know, for most of the year, especially. And you saw it during the playoffs. I mean, I need to uh, to go back and just look through what the uh, the collective ERA for Allen's starting pitching was. But once, um, yeah, I mean, once Byron Nelson got to the, uh, got to the bullpen, it was... It was night and day. It looked like two completely different offenses for the uh, for the Bobcats, and um, as a result, yeah, they they eliminate the six six eight champions. I was um, kind of surprised to find this stat out. This was um, you know, despite Allen going one and done, Allen. This is the first time since nineteen ninety nine that Allen has lost a by district playoff series, which sounds weird because obviously Allen hasn't made the playoffs every year since then. But every year that they had made the playoffs over that span, they went at least they played on onto at least the second round. They've never they, until this until Saturday they had never been bounced in the by district round. They had always got out of the first round. Heck, there were even some years in there where they were granted a bye into the area round. I don't know how that works, but nevertheless, yeah, this is the first time since 1999 that Allen has lost a a by district playoff series. So an interesting uh, tidbit there, just as far as the. Uh, just the budding standard that Allen kind of holds itself to um, within the baseball program. And, um, yeah, for, uh, if, with Byron Nelson, you know, you can look at this team either one of two ways. You know, when we were – when I was, you know, previewing this series on the, uh, you know, on the podcast last Monday, I, I mean, there's certainly some things about Byron Nelson that might make you think they're a, you know, a traditional four seed, whether it's the, uh, you know, their sub-500 record amassed during the regular season or the uh, the fact that they had a run differential of zero in district play. But then you look at things like how they played down the stretch, where they picked up wins over Marcus, over L.D. Bell, two teams that went on to make the playoffs and win first-round playoff series. They played South Lake Carroll, who's state-ranked. They played South Lake Carroll really close, only lost games to South Lake by scores of 3-1 and 1-0. So you look at um you know you look at Byron Elson and just the trajectory of their season you know and Coach Co mentioned leading up to the game that you know Byron Elson's a young team and you see kind of how they had progressed it's kind of the telltale signs of a young team that really began to mature down the uh, down the stretch and you know they had a very backloaded district schedule so they came in. They came into that first round hot. They were playing with a lot of confidence. Again, they picked up wins over good teams, so it's not like they just amassed their district record by beating up on the, uh, you know, the bottom feeders in five six A. You know, and Coach Go said, I mean, this is this isn't a typical, you know, one versus four matchup. You know, with Byron Nelson, they were one, you know, they were one win away during that last week from uh, from being the two seed. So it's a team that you know definitely had. A bit more pedigree to it than you know you might have, you know you might have seen on paper, and it, and it played out like there was not much of a uh, you know much of a difference between these two teams stylistically and just from a performance standpoint. You know both teams really. Uh, I mean this was a very competitive series, and yeah, it just happened to be that one that one little uh, that one fatal area that you know Byron Nelson was able to capitalize on, and they were able to take advantage of Allen's bullpen, which is something that Allen really hadn't had to invoke. You know, during the uh, during the prior two games, like I said, Kenton Pierce 
you know, got the call, you know, to come in in relief in uh, in game one. And obviously, as you you know, as you saw in game three, he does fairly well against Byron Nelson. Brett Tanksley did well against Nelson. Their Friday pitcher Kyle Williams did very well. I mean, this the starting pitching was there between those three. I mean, those three did just fine. But yeah, just uh, just a uh, you know a tough a tough way to go for Allen. So um, that was let's see, that was how I spent my Saturday afternoon. The other two games that I saw were, well, let's be real. They were not even remotely as competitive. <laughs> These were two, uh, you know, two run rule games, both involving Plano senior. One was good news for Plano senior. The other was bad news for Plano senior. Uh, the good news, the softball team was able to get its second round monkey off its back, uh, punch their ticket to the regional quarterfinals in emphatic fashion with a 15 zero victory on, uh, on Friday over South Grand Prairie. Um, what I can say, one second, you take a sip of water. What I can say about, um, you know, about this game, there's, there are some sports where, you know, we've obviously made a big deal all season long about just how competitive that first round is between 6-6-A and 5-6-A, how you, it's, it's a baptism by fire during that first round of the playoffs, and you have a lot of the best teams in the Metroplex playing each other in that first round because those two districts are so freaking loaded just across all sports and there are some sports where because you have this you know this you know knockdown drag out rocky balboa style slugfest in the first round there are some sports where it doesn't work in like traditional playoff structure where you expect with each round it's going to get just it's going to get you know increasingly more difficult with each round. And some sports, no. Nah. Like once you get past that first round, you'll run into a team in the second round that wouldn't have made the playoffs in six six A or five six A. To be frank, and I think that's kind of what the case was in this game against Plano and South Grand Prairie. I mean, this game just Plano just unloaded from the get go. I mean, they scored. I want to say they scored. Uh, <clears throat> Like, they scored all 15 of their runs within the first, like, three, within the first four innings. I mean, every every player in the lineup, every player in the field, if you were donning maroon and white and you hadn't at bat or, or played in the field in that game, you did something good. Um, you know, every, I believe, eight of the nine hitters had hits. I mean, heck, seven different Plano players had uh, had hits in the second inning total. And they, um, I mean, yeah, this was just a, a wire-to-wire, stem-to-stern, start-to-finish, pillar-to-post domination by the Lady Wildcats. Um, of note, um, just, I mean, just the, uh, the productivity that, that Plano's been getting in its lineup after that, uh, that game one hiccup against Marcus. I mean, they've just been getting production up and down the order. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the big bright spots during this postseason run, at least in the two games that I've seen, has been their, uh, their number six hitter, uh, Natalie O'Brien, who has two home runs already in both the games that I was at. She homered in the, uh, in the first inning of their, uh, of their first round series against, uh, against Marcus and then again against uh, South Grand Prairie. You know, she had a huge night at the plate. Uh, Bronte Roden, you know, bats third. You know, she was she had three hits against SGP. I mean, they just I mean everybody did something big. You know, Lindsey Edwards had an inside the park home run after a uh, after a defensive miscue by SGP. I mean, Plano just got whatever it wanted. And uh, after two years of you know some pretty some pretty heartbreaking exits in the second round because there are good so I mean they have seen plenty of good softball teams in recent years in that second round between District Seven Six A and Eight Six A. You know obviously. If you're with the program, you're very familiar with how things went down, you know, two years ago against Mansfield where Plano had a big, you know, had what, like a, it was like a 5-0 lead heading into the sixth inning and then gave up seven runs just out of the blue. 
and um, ended up losing that game and um, in the series for that matter, and then lost in extra innings last year against Waco Midway in a game in which they were one strike away from uh, from winning and advancing to the regional quarterfinals. So to be able to just put any sort of anxiety to rest with a just a commanding dominant you know performance like they did against SGP certainly had to feel good obviously it's not going to get any easier from here they've got a very tough draw in the third round against uh, Flower Mound who I saw at the uh, in the first round against Allen and I mean the we'll talk more about that matchup on the actual podcast itself on Monday's episode um, but that should be a fantastic series. Um, just, uh, yeah, two very, very dynamic offenses, and that should be a, should be a fun one. Um, wasn't a fun one for the Planner Senior Baseball team, if I could transition now to uh, talk a little bit about that uh, that series. I uh, I got to see game one of their series, series against South Lake Carroll, and um, I, you know, I kind of wrote about this to lead off my story from that game. Literally South Lake picking up where they left off from last year. And by that I mean when they eliminated Plano last year in the first round, they did so. Plano was able to pull them to a game three, which in hindsight that was a really impressive accomplishment considering that Southlake went on to the state uh, state semifinals and did not lose a game prior to advancing to the state tournament after they played Plano. And then they swept their way through the next four rounds. So, you know, not a, not a bad little accolade for Plano to be able to get a win over that Southlake team. But Plano got eliminated last year courtesy of an 11-0 loss in game three. And sure enough, Southlake beat them by 11 once again in Game One of their uh, of their first round series this past week, and um, it was a game where, I mean, Southlake just didn't give Plano a chance to breathe or even catch its footing. You know, Southlake struck for, I want to say they had back to back four run innings to begin the uh, you know to begin that game, and if you're Plano, a very young Plano team, Plano team that plays a lot of sophomores. Um, I mean, they, they just got blindsided by that. You know, maybe it's a bit easier to handle an onslaught like that if it just comes, like, in increments. But for the fact that Southlake just completely, you know, blew their doors off just from the uh, from the onset, it just it just set a very, very ominous tone for the rest of the game. I mean, they, you know, Cade Bell, Southlake's leadoff hitter, got on base with a leadoff triple to begin the game. He scored in the very next at bat, and you could just kind of see the uh, – Read the tea leaves that it was going to be uh, just one of those afternoons for Plano. Um, you know they were able to get you know one run. You know <laughs> about midway through the game, you know Braley Hollins was able to uh, scratch out a uh, scratch out a double and scored later on. Um, but outside of that, I mean, yeah, there just wasn't a whole lot for uh, for Plano in this game. It sounds like Plano did much better in game two at least. This was a game that was three to three about midway through, and then Southlake pulls away with four and answered runs for a seven three victory, and. Um, yeah, I mean, that was expected, though. You know, Plano was throwing its ace, Matt Foster, in, the, you know, in that game on Friday. And he's been he's been kind of their rock on the uh, on the mound all year. And, you know, it. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's kind of a tough way for Plano to go, considering that coming into this season, they, um, you know, the uh, after three years of being seated fourth and drawing a district champion, you know, I remember Coach Robertson mentioning at the start of the year, like, it'd be great if we could just get out of that four seed for once. Because <laughs> that's the thing, like, it's just tough luck when you are uh, paired opposite a really good baseball district and knowing that if you get fourth, you're going to see an awesome team in the first round. And there's some districts where some district champions are a bit higher quality than others. Not the case, though, in the case of uh, 5-6A. South Lake Carroll has been one of the best teams in the state for forever. And, um, yeah, for Plano, you got to feel bad because you you think of what you did. I mean, you Plano was in the top two, top three of the district 
all year long, just about. And then they hit a uh, just kind of a bad slump with some some key injuries. You know, Braley Hollins was um you know was out for a few games with a calf issue. Their Friday starting pitcher Bo Leonard's you know had a you know. Injured his injured his arm against uh, you know was you know pulled after only 16 pitches against McKinney Boyd that was the end of his season and um, Plano just never really recovered from that stretch they dropped three games in a row against McKinney Boyd and Plano West then ended up dropping them eventually into a tie for second place when all was said and done and then they lost a seeding game against Plano West and were relegated to the four seed so despite winning nine district ball games and tying for second place. They still could not escape that four seed, and yeah, not a uh, not a very welcome reward for the Wildcats drawing uh, South Lake Carroll. And um, I can definitely say that um, you know with the by district uh, with by districts play against five six eight having concluded now for this uh, for this realignment cycle, and with the impending shift <coughs> to uh, to Region Two for Plano ISD. Um, there's uh, there might not be another team in baseball that's that's going to be more anxious to get out of Region One and back into Region Two than Plano Senior because Plano Senior had some special runs last time they were um, last time they were in Region Two. You know, going you know I believe it was four rounds deep one year, maybe five rounds. I mean it was I mean they had some pretty lengthy playoff runs in Region Two, but yeah, it's just coupled with the difficulty of the district and just yeah getting that four seed these past four years in Region One and just running up against Keller two years and South Lake two years, just two very very difficult draws and. um so we'll see what um you know what holds for the Wildcats. They've um they said they played a lot of sophomores this year. This was a pretty young team. You know they do bring back the majority of their uh, of that lineup. You know they do graduate. You know their ace Matt Foster. You know some notable hitters. Most notably um you know their cleanup hitter uh, Jackson Richardson. But you know the pieces are there for Plano to stay consistent. They've been the most consistent thing in the uh, you know within Plano ISD from a playoff appearance standpoint for uh, for baseball at least. With, I believe this was the eighth straight year that Plano made the playoffs, but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully next year. And the district's not going to get. I mean, granted, the district won't be any easier next year, especially with Jesuit and Prosper making the jump up. You know, there's two very, very credential programs, but at, at the very least, you know, Plano does can at least take pause in knowing that you won't have to worry about seeing South Lake Carroll or Keller if you if you if you draw the four seat again. So. That's um that's the long and short wow, this is already almost twenty five minutes. That's um yeah, I guess that's the extent of what uh of how my past three days went on the job. Um we've still got at least from a coverage standpoint, still got plenty of softball on the docket, so any playoff coverage on mine at least will be focused on that for the rest of the way. Plus we'll be mixing in some spring football along the way, so um Make sure you all keep apprised of that. Uh, folks, hey, I appreciate you all for checking this out. If you'd like to read any of my stories from these aforementioned games, plus some video highlights from each, you can visit our website at starlocalsports.com. Otherwise, folks, this has been Matt Welch with Star Local Media. I appreciate you all checking out this podcast. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. In the meantime, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your weekend, and I will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. 
Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.